Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. Today, we have Amanda from Los Angeles, California. Luckily, Amanda was able to attend a hospital birth before getting pregnant, so she knew what she didn't want. With the support of her partner, she prepared herself for an autonomous birthing experience at home. Labor began at the bar where she and her husband had met. She drove herself home to realize she was in full-blown active labor. Her birth story is beautifully simplistic, though not without an interesting twist at the end. Amanda here, who is a free birthing mama, and today she's going to share her story with us. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and, and dive on in. So you have a nine-month-old daughter now, so this took place nine months ago, right? Yes, she was born in June, end of June. And it's your first baby? My very first baby, yeah. She's been a blessing. <laughs> hmm. So, So let's just start from the very beginning. What did draw you to choose free birth and and was that something you had planned before you were pregnant or did you discover that along the way just tell me a little bit about your journey just to even get to to that choice sure absolutely so i mean just to start from the beginning the whole concept of being birthed at home actually began through my mother because she actually had me at home um and growing up i always felt a little special like people ask where you're born like i was born at home in you know in loma linda and they were like you're born at home and they always like taken aback by that and i was like yeah it just seemed like no big deal um but i didn't really think about it and you know until i started thinking about having a, a a child um and i my first experience with birthing was actually when I was asked by one of my best friends to um, be a part of her birth process. And I hadn't, I'm not doula. I don't have any birthing experience, but, you know, we're really close. And so she asked me to come um, be part of her birthing experience. And it was in a hospital and she was very like, this is my birth plan. Just do whatever needs to be done. And I was like, I just wanted to respect what she was doing. So showed up and I didn't know what to do. We went to a couple classes and um, the information was very basic. So when the actual birth crossing was happening, I just felt like um, I felt not sure what to do or how to help her because uh-huh. um, I'd never been through it before. So I knew it was kind of like on the guy's side of what what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, I had no idea. So I was there watching her and she had her birth and they did it like a sweep of her membrane and broke her sack and all of it seemed like, okay, that's what they're supposed to do. But I felt just very like tense about everything that was going on. Um, so she had her birth and everything was great and she was happy, which was awesome. Um, but I felt like that experience being in a hospital, I didn't really enjoy. So that brought me to the fact that I was like, maybe I should do some more research. Like what should, what, what, what else could, what other options are there out there? Gosh, it's and, so nice that you had kind of a preview of that system 
so yeah. that you could make a more educated decision. You know, so many women are going in blind, and so they have no idea if they're going to like it or not. But you got a little, a little. I got a little snippet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was happy that she, that's what she wanted, but I didn't know how what else to do to help her. So I felt kind of lost or out of control for her, which, you know, in the time I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I was just watching everything. But just from my observations, I knew it wasn't something that I would want for myself. Um, so that's what led me to start, like, maybe researching more. And one of my really good friends, um, uh, Maya, she actually started, she's on Facebook and posts like little snippets here and there. And she happened to be pregnant right around the same time as my friend. Um, and she kept posting little things about like, um, uh, cutting, cutting, or not cutting the umbilical cord too early or, uh-huh. um, or, um, you know, you, it's okay to free birth or, um, or little, I don't know, there's just little articles here and there about just birthing processes that were different than what I'd been reading on what to expect when you're pregnant or, you uh-huh. know, the baby center or all these other little other websites that you normally get your information from. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I kept clicking on it and reading it. I was like, oh, I've never heard this before. Um, so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole in a sense of researching more information. And I started, I, I walk a lot and I have a dog. <laughs> And I, I listened to podcasts. I started researching on podcasts. And the first one I came across was actually a Kristen Burgess. Um, I think it's a birth baby and mama, a natural uh-huh. birth baby mama podcast. And she, she, she has, um, great po- information about from pregnancy to, um, raising your kids naturally. And she actually also mentioned, um, Maren Green on Indie Birth. That's where I first heard about Indie Birth. And so I was like, okay, let me look up this this podcast. And as soon as I started listening to all Marin's podcasts, like just a little light went on, like, oh my uh-huh. gosh, like, this, is, this, this sounds, this information sounds up my alley. This, this speaks to me and what I want. Uh-huh. And, and I wasn't even pregnant at this time. Like I just started like just listening to them here and there. Um, and once I really decided, okay, I think we're going to get pregnant, I decided that I wanted, I I hadn't really reached the idea yet that I wanted to free birth. It was just something like in the back of my mind. So I started looking at other options like the Bradley method or hypnobirthing or, you know, there's other, there's so many different types of ways that you could possibly go into having the tools you need to give birth. And so I decided to read the book about, um, uh, sorry, uh, about uh, the Bradley birth, the Bradley birth method where my husband could be more involved. And I think originally what led me to that was because I felt lost in my friend's birth and knowing that that's what the husband might be going through because he doesn't know what's going on. I was like, okay, let me try to bring my husband into this so that he and I can be a team in this whole birth process and I want him to be involved. Um, so I read... Um, I think it was husband coach for saying for um, uh, the Bradley class. And he was like, okay, this sounds interesting. I can, I, I can, I can do this. I can help you. Um, and, but the more and more I listened to the podcast from, from uh, Indie Birth, the more I realized, like, I don't really need to be in a hospital. Like he can just do this. Like he, he and I can be the team and do this together. And you're still so, not pregnant yet in this exploration, right? Um, no, I I was not. Pregnant, yeah. Okay. I think that it only took maybe two or three months. It was, mm-hmm. <laughs> we 
were fortunate it didn't take it didn't take very long um on that on that journey so once I became pregnant I think I didn't I didn't actually tell them yet that I really wanted to do the free birthing um until we went to a baby event and I talked to um there was a, a birth center uh, representative at one of these baby events that I went to and we're sitting there talking and I was we were she's talking about how the birth center is very relaxed and they have a birthing tub and it's very more hands-on and um as far as like you know not being uh too advanced in like what they you know they don't push you on doing anything it's all sure. more like whatever you'd like to do you can do and then I went and I, I remember a podcast from uh, Baron about like um, questions you should ask your your midwife, um, and she was really good about talking about probing questions like what would you use um, in case I hemorrhaged or um, you know do you what do you think about pedicin? Um and so I, I started asking her these questions and like the way she responded to me I felt like. She was like, I don't know, she didn't give me that warm, fuzzy feeling that what I would want for someone to be supportive of me. Uh-huh. I, I felt like she was more concerned that I maybe knew too much information or that I didn't have any medical background. So why am I asking these questions? Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I just, I did, you know, it's just sometimes that you don't get those those warm, fuzzy feelings. And that's, that's important to, to have when you talk to somebody that might be helping you in your birth process. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I just feel like I I came to this decision. I, I came home after asking this, you know, the birth center some questions and talked to my husband. I was like, Hey, what do you feel about if we just, what if we just just have our our birth at home, just you and me? And he was kind of like, uh, with nobody here to help us. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, I think we can do this. Like, I, I, more and more I think about this. Like, we're ending up having to pay somebody to come in where we don't want them to be hands-on, uh-huh. you know, we just want to do this ourselves or they're just in case. So the just in case part may not happen. It may or may not happen. Like, why don't we just make this ourselves and undisturbed our own personal circle and we will have an awesome experience. That's in my mind. Like, I'm just not like, I'm not a warrior. Like I just, I feel like this is me doing what I need to do. Right. And not worry about it. And, like, let's not add a ton of people that we don't even know who are going to potentially shift the energy of the of the, of the space. Exactly. So how did he how did he respond? What was that? Was he pretty quick to get on board or did it bring up some fears he had to work through? Um, he, he was pretty quick to go to get on. I actually um, ended up we watched um, the business of being born. Uh-huh. Together. And I think that flipped his, his little, uh, switch is like, okay, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from now. But it's a big um, jump. It's one thing, you know, obviously the business being born has done a lot for the world. And I think it's helped a lot of people see midwifery as a viable option. But then it's a whole nother jump to say, and then not even that. Mm-hmm. So that was no big, no big feel for him no and 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 he's really great about that i I didn't have to do like too much he was really more whatever he was more supportive as far as whatever i wanted Mm -hmm. to do he was like i this is your moment and this is your experience and i want to share this with you but you're the one that's going to have to go through this more than i will and i Mm -hmm. all i can do is be supportive 
And, you know, he's always been really great about that. Like he definitely had some, a little bit of worry, a little concern, but it didn't take much for him to, once I explained it, he just was like, okay. It's such a good point around the not worrying because, you know, if, the, if, if you're not worried, but the partner, you know, really feels the weight of the medical responsibility maybe being on them or, you know, nobody's there medically to lean on. It's, I, you know, it's very easy if you are that type of person to worry to fall into, you know, a, a, an anxious dog hole of worry if there isn't anybody else there. But if they're not like that and if they're more like, you know, you and I, which it sounds like your husband is, um, you know, that's just not even a, that's not even a place you need to go in your head. Right. And for him, like, he felt like he, he would say it to other people, like, oh, we're just going to have it at home and. And we're not going to have anybody. And they're like, well, that, that seems pretty manly. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's great that it's manly, but it really is more the women that's doing it. <laughs> oh, no, it's always about them. It's always about them. That's funny. So, so then throughout your pregnancy, did you seek prenatal care from anybody? Did you do your own? What was it like for your pregnancy then? Um, for me, I, I decided to still stay with um, the hospital care of prenatal care. Um, and I think more so because it's my first time having a baby, I was more like, okay, well, let me just have like a, a, a just in case kind of situation just to check. Cause I, I did read or listen to a lot of the information about what prenatal care means and what it takes as far as checking like blood sugar levels or eating properly and keeping yourself healthy. So I was doing a lot of the preventative aspects of making sure that you have a, a healthy pregnancy. So I wasn't too concerned. Um, and I still went with the hospital care because just in case, for whatever reason, we are at home and things may not be, feel like it was going well, I still have the option of going to a hospital and still be covered under insurance. Uh -huh. So I decided to still go and do prenatal checkups. However, I made it very limited. So a lot of times when I went, um, you know, they'd ask if I wanted a um, sonogram, and I would always decline the sonogram. It was very minimal. Um, they never did a vaginal exam. Um, it was it was kind of silly. Like after retrospect, like looking back at it, I just was like, I went in there. They checked my weight. They asked me how I was feeling. If my feet were swelled. Um, yeah, <laughs> they measured, you know, my fundus, they, you know, they asked, you know, just asked basic questions and I was like out of there and I was just like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. And look, you know, check your blood pressure and, you know, really all of that stuff is stuff you could do yourself. It's exactly. You another child. You yeah. Know, it's, the, it's the ultrasounds and the labs. It sounds like a lot of stuff you declined are the things that, you know, that we would actually need from, from that system. Right, exactly. And I, I did do the very early one, which I kind of, if I did it again, I'd probably never do it. But not that it's bad. I just feel like what, the, the, the ultrasound the, or the lab? The, the ultrasounds as far as, because mm -hmm. I, I was I was concerned if this, the, the baby was viable and um, there wasn't anything like um, growth-wise that was wrong. Mm -hmm. So they did like a, I think it's a three-month one or I can't remember exactly. It's the first one where they checked like the length of the neck. Uh -huh. um, determine if it might have um, uh, Down syndrome because um, I'm an older woman. I'm I'm thir well, I was 38 when I had the baby. Um, uh -huh. So that's one of the main things they're concerned about with with women that are over 35. 
Um, yeah, I love that I'm a high high risk pregnancy too. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, you advanced maternal age. Yes, I know. It's getting lower and lower. It's the it's crazy. We're gonna soon have 25 year old gene advanced maternal age. That's <laughs> terrible. So okay, but, so you so did I, the prenatal care with with the hospital and um yeah. and so throughout your pregnancy, how much did you and your husband? Kind of, how did you walk that line within your own relationship around how much to prepare for if something goes wrong? Because that's, you know, of course, always the question: what if something yeah. goes wrong? So, where did you? How did you walk that line? Um, for me, it was more just a lot of positive, um, positive stories about home birth. Like one of my go-to things was just listening to podcasts about free birth, about being being prepared. Um, you know, as far as nutrition goes and, um, what to expect during the pregnancy. Um, I watched tons of home videos on YouTube of birthing at home. Um, not all of them were, were free births, but some of them were. Um, and for me, like just watching other women do it, I felt like, okay, that they can do it. It is possible. It's not like insane that, of course. that, people do this at home or do it by themselves. I'm not mm-hmm. alone in this. So for me, like just watching and seeing other people do it, I was like, Oh my gosh, that it, I see it. I see what's happening. It's in front of me. And it's amazing. Um, so I just, I was more mentally prepared of, as far as seeing positive things. Cause anytime I delved into the, um, the negative of what possibly could happen, I just, it, it, there was a fear there. So anytime there was a fear, I just maybe read a little bit more about it to see like the basics, like, okay, what if there's meconium in the, the sack when, you know, when the sack opens and the, the liquid seems a little darkish or gray or green. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would research about that. Um, and then I would research about like, what if the labor takes longer than, you know, 48 hours? Cause there's always that like time limit apparently for when, <laughs> when they should have their babies. So, you know, we had certain structures we, and we made it really simple for us. It was more, if I'm laboring more than, you know, 36 hours, then I felt like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should maybe go to the hospital. Um, I set a time limit. It was more so like if the sack broke too, if the sack broke and I was, and the baby hasn't come out and, you know, 18 hours, then maybe I should, maybe I should go to the hospital. But we set like tiny limits. And those um, are things you discussed with your partner. Exactly. Yeah. And like those, that's all we really talked about is those small little things like, well, if there's something feels wrong and mostly I was just going to go by my intuition. Like I think feel like most women, if they really are alone and they're with themselves and they're feeling what's going on, I think people would know if something's wrong or not. Absolutely. Um, And, and, you know, as a birth worker, you know, who's seen hundreds of births, you know, and I don't know how many home births, but quite a few, the ones that have transferred for, how would I say it, not not the ones who are transferring for the rules and regulations to protect the midwife license, but when there's really something up with the mom or the baby, the mom is usually almost always the first person to know. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, or the very intuitive midwife, but it, it's, you can feel it in the room. There is this kind of like, huh, something feels off. And, you know, it's, it's never been anything serious, but I've, I've definitely had moms that 
you know, felt that they should transfer and, you know, and they thought they were ride or die home birthers and they thought that, you know, and they felt like they should transfer and they get to the hospital and the baby crashes, you know, I mean, things like that where it's like, it, it is, it is true. And I love that you could trust that without having all this experience and seeing, you know, women have that intuition, but that you could really trust that, that you would know if something is, up. And that, that's exactly what I'm telling my family that, you know, I just, I really, 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 really can, can re- rely on that. If something is up, I'm going to know, I'm definitely going to know. Yeah. Um, and I think that for me, like also choosing free birth, there's a lot of po- points in my life that I felt like my decisions were based on other people's opinions or like they, I was chosen for me. So I felt like this was a way to like reclaim my power and reclaim like my decision making, especially becoming a new mother. Like you have to kind of rely on um, yourself as far as making decisions for you and your baby. And I feel like this was the first step in doing that for me, is reclaiming my power. Um, so I feel like that this was the best choice. And like the more I thought about it, and the more I read about it, the more that I saw other women doing it, I was like, this this is gonna work. This is mm-hmm. for me. This is it's important that I do this. And, you know, uh, going back to the fact that, you know, my mom had me at home, the whole reason like she actually decided to have me at home was during that time in the late seventies, I was born in 78. Um, she had me in Southern California, um, but she had started researching about um, or reading more articles about at the hospitals, the cesarean rate has started to increase. And it was just around that time that they had started monitoring baby's heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she, yeah. yeah, what she discovered is that the calibration that they had on these machines that were monitoring the baby's heart rate was off. So there was a higher, um, uh, there was more cesareans that were happening based on the fact that they saw that the heart rate was too high, but the the machine was off. It wasn't too high. And then they didn't discover this until, you know, several years later, but this, um, this is what she was reading about that they they found out that. That's why there were so many cesareans that probably were unnecessary based on oh, the yeah. machine and looking, reading alone. Totally. Looking back decades later, we know that the, the continuous fetal monitoring that was introduced did not save babies. It only increased the surgical stats. That's yeah, pretty wild. So that's yeah. cool. So you had a reference point. Yeah, she actually, gave, she actually gave me an old book from when I was born that she read through. And it was, the information was accurate. It was absolutely just simple, like, based on, like, what happens during birth, like, the the, the plateau and, like, um, you know, the moment that you feel like you can't do it anymore, that's when you're opening and the baby's about to come. Like, the information that I'm reading or hearing now, even through, like, the podcast with Marin Green's, you know, Indie Birth Podcast, it related to the same information that was in my mom's book back in 1978, you know? so well, sure. The, the cool thing is normal yeah. physiological birth hasn't really changed. <laughs> it hasn't, but nobody talks you know, about it. Right. No one talks about it a lot. Right. <laughs> So, okay, so what about, what about like any particular equipment that you had or, you know, like, like what, what did you physically have for the time of the birth? Um, you know, some women have lots of stuff. Some women don't have anything. What, what did you guys choose? We kept it really simple. I, I didn't, I, I had read all this information. Like I, I think 
that I felt like I might need a heart rate monitor or like a, a one of those uh, squishy bulbs, syringe bulbs, and uh-huh. um, but I didn't use any of it. <laughs> uh, all we really used were Chuck pads. Um, and I had a bouncy, one of those, um, you know, those yoga balls or one of those, um, you know, the, uh-huh. the bouncy balls you sit on. Um, I had one of those, um, and that was it. <laughs> it literally, so, like, keep it simple. that's all we used. Yeah. So, okay, so, yeah, tell us, tell us the, tell us the story. Tell us about when your labor happened and walk us through your, your wonderful, successful free birth. Sure. So, um, just to, um, start with my husband and I did actually take a Bradley birthing class because I felt like it would be helpful for him to hear the knowledge and it's something important for us to like, you know, be together and like actually have a moment uh, every week to like think about the baby and like, you know, meet other moms that are going through the same process. Um, and, uh, like once we were deemed as the people, I told people in class we were doing it as a, a free birth. And uh, a lot of them are like, okay, that's awesome. Like, we're worried for you, but okay, awesome. <laughs> well, we were on board. And even the teacher was like, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome you guys are doing this. So we were prepared. Like, we, we knew what we were going to do. Um, and the day that the, the, the labor happened, she actually ended up coming. I wasn't anticipating her to come the day that she did because her, her due date was July 7th. And um, she ended up coming on Saturday, June 25th. Um, and that morning I'd woke up and I actually the night before we had actually taken our maternity pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to the, 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 um, the, those lights that are in front of the LACMA museum has a bunch of lights that stand up. I forget. Anyways, but I remember the night that night I felt like I had so much energy and I was like, Oh my God, I feel really great. Like I don't haven't felt this great in a while. Cause normally like near the end of pregnancy, you're a little bit, you know, tired or lethargic. And I was like, I felt great. This is, I didn't go out and dance this night. And we, we, we left around like 7 PM. But I, when I was, I was doing a lot of changing of my clothes and this woman, um, I went to the bathroom at the, at the museum to change my clothes. And this woman sees me and she goes, you look like you're about to have a baby tomorrow. And I wish I could find that woman and tell her that I actually did have the baby. Tomorrow. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So the next morning I woke up and I was feeling hungry. I went to, um, to my favorite place to get some uh, buckwheat pancakes with honey and walnuts. Um, and I was starving. I ate that a lot that morning, actually. Um, and it was probably around maybe two o'clock that afternoon. I started to feel, we were just hanging out, you know, what we normally do in the morning, like we'll clean up and well, um, we usually play cards or we go for a walk and, you know, normal morning stuff. And I, and around two o'clock, I ended up feeling like I was peeing, but I didn't say anything to Joe. I was just like, oh, I'm going to pee. So I go to the bathroom. And for a split second, I was like, maybe, maybe it's just the amniotic fluid. So I tried to like smell it, but it, for me, I didn't, I know people say it has a different smell, but I didn't, it didn't register with me for whatever reason. Maybe I don't have a good sense of smell. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no big deal. Um, and, you know, the time goes by and we're like, hey, you know, there's a soccer game going on um, today. Like, let's go to our bar, our bar where we met. We met at um, this great bar over the city called Doctors. And um, there's a soccer game with the USA versus Venezuela. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go hang out at the bar and, you know, and watch a soccer game. And, you know, because we knew the baby was coming soon, so we wouldn't have too many more times to, like, sure. to kind of go out and be by ourselves. 
So and definitely oh, okay. not in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, this bar allows children, but not many do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so we, you know, as we were getting ready to go, and it was around like four o'clock. And I remember sitting at the the computer because I was looking something up, and um, I felt kind of crampy, and I literally let out a little bit of a noise. I was like, "Ooh!" And Joe's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah, I just is feeling a little like you know, almost like PMS crampy." And I was thinking of maybe just a Braxton Hicks, but um, this one felt a little bit more like tighter than the normal one. And I was like, eh, "I'm fine, it's no big deal." And it didn't still at this point. I didn't dawn on me that I was I was in labor or anything was happening. So we get to the bar. That's the best. Um, Let me just say that is the best yeah. for the women. The women who can overlook early labor or not, you know, not noticing or, yeah. you know, oh my gosh, you just gain so much time and mental space, you know, versus the woman from the very first second that hyper focuses on every single thing. You know, they're going to get exhausted quicker. Yeah. So yeah, I, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That totally makes sense. So yeah, I was I was happy that I, I guess the I just didn't I just went on with my day, and I think that's kind of what I mean. That's the advice rulers give, and you just yeah. need to do it. That's awesome. It was just instinctual, just natural. Like I don't know, I didn't. I guess because I hadn't talked to too many women about like what happens in pre labor, mm-hmm. I just knew that certain things would happen. So you know. Regarding that, I had gone to the bar and we were just talking to some people and I was still kind of peeing a little bit. I was like, this is weird. Like I keep just my body just peeing for some weird reason. So do you and have a so cabin I, at this point? No. <laughs> okay. And the fluid that's coming out is just clear? It's. I didn't see it. It just literally just okay. felt like it was coming trickling down my leg so I just assumed it was like a little bit of pee because you know I'm full at this point my body my my belly's full I just felt like this pressure maybe on my bladder that was just Mm -hmm. uncontrollable like whatever my my, I'm peeing a little bit okay (laughs) that's just what happens I guess when you're about to give a beat or you know you're near the end of your pregnancy so I'd gone to the bar or gone to the bathroom at the bar and that's when I noticed there was actually a little bit of the mucus plug. Like I actually saw like a little bit of jelly and a little bit of blood that was in, you know, the toilet. And I was like, okay, this is this. Okay, this is when I first like, hmm, this is different. Nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe something's happening. But from all my readings or you know people, you know, talking with the other women at the Bradley, the Bradley class is that when the, the mucus plug happens doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the baby that day. It could be a couple of days. It could be several hours. You don't know. So I was like, I, I literally just brushed it off. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything because it might, it's just, it's just showing signs that I'm, maybe I'm starting to get ready. So go back to inside and still talking to people. I didn't tell Joe at this point <laughs> about what's happening or what's going on because I didn't want to worry him. And I didn't, I was like, it may take a while and I want him to enjoy, you know, us having like, you know, free time here at the bar and enjoying the game. And, um, I'd actually planned to leave around, um, five o'clock. I wasn't going to stay there very long because I had planned to go meet up with some girlfriends in Long Beach for a clothing swap. So he knew that I was going to leave and he was going to stay there. And he was like, okay, I'll just Uber home later. So I remember sitting in the bar while you know waiting for me to leave and I I just my body just started swaying like I was standing there talking to people and I'm like 
moving my hips around like a hula girl. Right. <laughs> and no one says no one says anything. <laughs> They're just like you're you're pregnant. You're doing whatever you want to do. And I'm just because I, I didn't and feel like sitting. For, for clarity's sake, you were your due date was the seventh. Did you say July seventh? Yes. And and this was when uh, June twenty fifth. So it was a couple okay. weeks. Okay, so you're lower. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up. It was, I was. It was 38 weeks, and uh, I think it was two days, two or three days. Okay. Nice. So I was definitely like past. It wasn't a premium. It was like it was. Sure. You know, 38 weeks is typically like the the time frame as far as when your baby is fully cooked. But they'd like you to go to 40 weeks, I think. But um, so I I was sitting there just swaying my hips around, and I noticed my brain changing as far as like being able to hold a conversation. Hmm. And I remember having a, a thought in my head, like, I'm happy this woman is is talking to me because I don't think I could respond back to her at this moment. <laughs> like, I literally was just kind of staring at her and shaking my head. And I remember just not, like, really understanding or paying attention to what she was saying. Um, and I was just kind of smiling and nodding and moving my hips around in a circle. <laughs> no one says anything. No one asks if I'm okay or what was going on. They just bring you around. It's, it's Amanda. She's just doing her thing. <laughs> um, and so it came to the time where I was like, okay, I'm, I, I got to leave to go meet up with my girlfriend. And so I say goodbye to Joe and I get in my truck. And as soon as I sit down in the truck, I felt like a huge pain. Like it was not comfortable to sit on my tailbone at all because I wasn't sitting in the bar I was standing the whole time and I was like oh this is uncomfortable I don't don't feel good sitting in my truck at all so I ended up texting my girlfriend saying I'm not coming I don't feel comfortable driving for you know 30 minutes to Long Beach and um, I'm also feeling crampy and uh, you know my my mucus plug came out and they're like oh the baby's coming soon okay have a good you know we'll talk to you later you know no big deal I wonder I wonder how dilated you were at that point when you got in the truck I have no idea. I don't. Yeah. I don't because I've never. I didn't get checked by a doctor even like sure. at the you know the the previous. She never did vaginal exams. I know that some people say like their doctors do vaginal exams all the time, mm-hmm. and she never did one, which is great. I, I probably would have refused anyways if she'd asked me. Because mm-hmm. um, I just don't. No one needs to be up there. <laughs> the more information, totally. you know, more and things that's up there. It's yeah. completely irrelevant. Like uh, yeah. you know, you being crampy and losing your plug. You were to some level effaced and dilated at that point, not liking yeah. pain. It wouldn't have mattered what you were the day before. Obviously things had changed. Okay, so you're in the truck, you cancel Long Beach and so you head home. And well, yeah, I thought about it. I was like, maybe I should tell Joe so like that I'm gonna go back home. And so I tried texting him or calling him and in the bar's loud and he probably couldn't hear, so he didn't answer the phone. <laughs> Uh, so I ended up just like texting it. I think I texted them or tried to text them and I was like, I started feeling a little more like, okay, this is a little more urgent. I need to get home. So I start driving home and it's about a 10 minute drive. And the whole way I had the seat reclined completely backwards. So I was kind of laid out with my feet in front trying to steer and uh, pushing the oh gas and, and stop. So it was definitely a little unsafe, but I needed to get home. And I was like, ah, I'm okay. I'm just uncomfortable. This is what's running through my mind. I was like, I'm just uncomfortable. I just, just make it home, man. <laughs> so once I got home, I think I, my body just knew that I was in a safe space and I was home. That literally, like, as soon as I walked the door, like, the the contractions would start. And it was intense. And it wasn't like 
oh, ooh, that hurt. It was literally like my my uterus started, started squeezing and like really hard. And there was like, it wasn't like a gradual increase. It was just like, oh, you're home. Let's get to this. And yeah, you had, had already gone through your early labor. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I didn't notice. I didn't know. Yeah. Idea. So I got home and I was just intense. Like I was, I, I went, I didn't, I knew that I needed to grab truck pads. So I grabbed some truck pads. I took off my clothes and I, we had, um, Joe had built um, our, our bled, our bed platform to be quite high. Like it was really like three feet high. So all I had to do was lean over a little bit. And we did that intentionally with the fact with labor and just getting me being pregnant. It's easier to drop your feet down than trying to climb your whole body up out of bed. Mm-hmm. So we intentionally made our bed really high for that purpose of for laboring and just being pregnant. So I was leaning on the bed um, with a chuck pad underneath me um, and just kind of writhing back and forth. Like it was really an intense feeling. Like I, I was, I knew that I needed to talk to Joe and contact him and I needed to let him know what was going on, but because the intensity of the contractions was happening so quickly and often, like I could barely even like get to my phone to type anything because I had to, all I could mentally do was focus on what was happening with my body. Mm-hmm. Like, and did that, could, did that make you feel scared or nervous or, or were you just like in survival mode or? Um, I, I, I was a little nervous. It was more like I, I was like, okay, as soon as this passes, I need to, I need to be on my phone. And I was also thinking at the same time, I need to time these contractions. So I was like, you know, you download those apps about like you just time a contraption, push buttons, and it just, it was too much for me to do by myself. Totally. <laughs> I was trying to like open the map and try to push the start button, totally, and it yeah. was just, it just kept kind of rolling. It, it literally was not giving me like any break. Calling you into its parallel universe, and you have to. <laughs> so I finally like had a little bit of break and I was able to um call the bar because I wasn't getting in touch with Joe like I'm trying to send like texts like and call him and there was no answer so I ended up calling the bar and I was like hi it's Amanda I was just there I'm the pregnant lady uh can I speak to Joe and they're like uh yeah because they they know us (laughs) we've been there a lot and so they go outside and I guess as soon as the, the, the bartender had told Joe that I'm on the phone, he just, he comes to the phone and says, okay, I'm on my way. He didn't even ask me. Oh, like, what's going yeah. on? Like, I'm on my way. Um, and so he took an Uber back. Um, so that he, I got to the house at, um, I would say 5.30. Um, he got to the house at 6.15. Um, and... I remember the moment, like the time period of me being by myself, it was, it was nice because I was able to like, in a sense, like just feel everything that was happening. But there was that moment where I really had a strong contraction that I had that thought in my mind, like, oh, I don't know if I could do this for several more Mm -hmm. hours. Mind you, I I didn't really feel like I was in labor until maybe 5 p.m. So this is only on. It was on and it, it was maybe an hour and a half. And I was just like, Oh my God, if this is going to, because, you know, as a first time mom, you hear stories of you're in labor for 24 hours or more. Sure. 
And so my mind like, oh my God, this, this is going to go on for 20. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do this for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours. Luckily, births that are raging like that, that intensely, those are not the ones that last that long. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't think about this. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And at the moment, I didn't, it didn't, I'm I'm sure I heard that several times, but I didn't, it didn't register with me. Of course, you don't have any, like, reference. No. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I had this really intense contraction, and I was like, I wish Joe was here because we had learned in our Bradley class about counter pressure and pushing on the hips um, and just being able to massage the back area because at first, all the pressure was in the front of my belly, and then it all of a sudden moved into the back, and it was just a really excruciating pain, and I, I was trying to rub myself. And just wasn't the same. And I, and luckily, right when that movement happened from the front to the back, Joe had arrived. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Please push in my back. <laughs> and he was like, okay. But, you know, he's in, you know, he's in panic. And not really panic mode, but he was just like, okay, I'm on. Like, he just got into that automatic mode. Like, okay, something's happening here. He didn't even ask. He just knew what was uh-huh. that I was a neighbor. Um, and and even a, even before he got there, I was like, well, I need to rest. Like, in the back of my head, it's like, I know that, you know, before labor happens, you need to just relax and try to sleep as much as you can. So I try to lay on the bed, and my body's like, uh-uh, yeah, not right. comfortable, <laughs> not comfortable, get up. I couldn't yeah. even lay down. I could not lay on my side. I could not oh, lay right. You were in full-on active labor by this point. Yeah, I had, to, I had to be standing. I had to be leaning over something. Um so he got there, he pushed on my, 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 my hips and uh, felt like instant relief. And I was, uh-huh. oh my God, I was like, thank you. I'm glad you're here. I need you here. Um, and all I had at that point was I was naked. I had chuck pads um, underneath me and I just kept walking around the house, leaning on the wall, leaning on the toilet, leaning on the kitchen counter. I just kept walking around, leaning on stuff. Um, and really at, at some point, Joe, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, where would I birth? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't have a need or a desire to build like an altar or like a beautiful space. I didn't, I don't have a bathtub. I only have a shower. So like ultimately my head, like I'd actually bought a, um, one of those kiddie pools. And I like, I thought like, oh, it'd be great if I could have the kiddie pool and full of, full of water and do a water birth. Like I, I had no idea. Sure. <laughs> I did. I options. thought of, yeah, it was an option. I, I thought about the water birth, but I was like, well, we'll have to keep cool and you can just fill it out. So I was thinking we'd have time. And um, so that was just out the window to begin with. I was like, There's, I, I have no desire to be in the water right now, inside of water. I, I definitely had a desire to be in the shower. So I was in the bathroom majority of the time. And I just remember sitting, like, kind of like sitting on the edge of the toilet with one hand like propped and like my body like leaning to one side um and I'd have this, these waves like I'd almost have like a body roll and I I kind of never really tried to do anything I was really trying to be in tune with letting allowing my body to do whatever was natural and um I just wanted to feel it. I just wanted to feel what was happening. And so I would just sit there and feel like the contraction intensity. And I not willingly doing this, my body literally just did like a body roll. Like I 
my body just wanted to roll, and that's what I did. And Wait, so you said, Madeline, are you on the birth ball in the shower? No, I'm actually, well, I was at one point, but I mean, this was, I'm mostly on the toilet. I'm literally okay. just sitting, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. sitting on a toilet, leaning with my hand on it, and I would just, my body so would just a body, roll. What's a body roll? Explain that. Um, Paint me a picture. So if you can imagine, like, you know, how a wave goes up and crescendos up and then goes down, uh-huh. my body would do, like, I would start from my hips, my hips would roll up, and then it would kind of come peak to its point and then roll back down. Like, I I didn't know how to do this move. This wasn't taught in any class. My body just naturally wanted to do that. And I think it was maybe my uterus contracting and the way that my body was helping the baby come down or out. I have no idea. I just, that's what my body wanted to do. Um, it literally was my hip raising up, kind of going out and arching and then coming cool. back down to a sit. And, um, you know, I did that probably for maybe 15 to 20 minutes. And I really got this strong urge of feeling like I needed to, to, um, to poo. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point. And I kept telling Joe, I was like, I, I feel like my body needs to poo and it, it, it needs to get whatever is out, out. So I transferred into. <laughs> She's like, you mean your, you mean your baby? <laughs> right. No, I know. Right. That's totally what it sounds like. But I wasn't thinking of the baby. And literally still at this point, I was thinking I had several hours to go before this baby arrived. I, I still was in denial that the baby was coming so soon. Um, and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get in the shower and I got one of those, um, oh, that's another, um, item we had was nitrile, um, you yeah, those gloves, the, like the doctor uh-huh. gloves. That was another item we also had. So I had put one of those on and I, I stuck my finger in, you know, up my butt, basically just trying to push this, the, the poo out that I thought was poo. And I felt something really hard. And that's when it dawned on me that maybe the baby is actually coming out. And I, I had read about the purple line where there's a line that um, starts to gradually increase from your anus all the way up to the top of the crack of your, your butt. That is actually a great indicator of how dilated you are. Uh-huh. Um, so I told Joe, um, hey, do, do you see the purple line? Uh, my butt, he's like, yeah, it's all the way up to the top. I was like, oh, I, I guess the baby's coming out. And I told him to look, um, cause at this point I was standing in the shower just with the water running on me. Um, and he, he bent down and he looked and he's like, I see hair. And oh my God. I, I was like, do you see my hair? And he's like, no, I see the baby's hair. <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure it's hair inside your vagina. <laughs> Are you kidding? And he was like, no, like, the baby's coming. I was like, okay. <laughs> like at that point, like I, I literally like at that moment when you said the baby, I seen the baby's hair. The first thought that ran through my mind is this is unbelievable. I oh, am having the best, easiest labor <laughs> anybody could possibly have. Because in oh, my oh, mind, oh. like I was already prepared to be like 24, 36 oh, well, and that's, that's the right way to do it, you know. I mean, I think I, I think to really mentally prepare for a marathon and then be pleasantly yes. surprised when you get yes. anything less than that. 
So I, at that point, I just started, I remember reading about or listening to the podcast and, and just letting your body do what it needs to do. Like, there's no reason to push. Like, the whole concept of pushing is was designed for a doctor when you're laying on your back and you're tired and your body can't do it anymore because you were laboring so long that you have to. And you're heavily, heavily medicated or numb yes. or, you know. Yeah. Yes. Or, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to push. There's no, the baby's going to come out. My baby, my body's going to do what it needs to do. And I think that in retrospect, that's what those whole waves, my body rolls were doing was helping my baby push out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still standing in the shower. And once I knew the head was there, I just basically did like a small little squat. I, I braced myself against the walls and I just closed my eyes and was just thinking, um, peace, love relaxation like I just was just thinking about the baby and thinking about my body doing what it needs to do um and I could feel the head drop lower and it would go in or it would go come out and go back in and Joe's like okay it's coming I see the head it's coming a lot out more and he's like okay just relax he told me to relax and I was like I know I know I'm doing it (laughs) and are you making lots of noise or are you I'm not focused I'm not no the one time before Joe got there that I had that moment in my head like I can't do this was probably the most intense and I I'm not I I guess I'm just not a screamer like I remember like moaning a lot Mm -hmm. when that earlier on but after that I was really not I was not making a lot of noise um I was more just internal and just being like present of what's happening mm-hmm. and feeling everything. But I, 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 it's my, I just didn't feel the need to make a lot of noise. Um, but once the head started to come out more is when I felt what they call the ring of fire. Um, and it definitely felt burning. And I remember going, Ooh. like I remember feeling like, Ooh. I feel, I could feel the burning. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't like heavily intense, but I could definitely feel a difference as far as what I was feeling before, you know, in that area. And he said, okay, you know, the baby's coming out. And once she actually felt out, it just really felt like this rush of energy just coming from my head all the way down through the rest of my body when she emerged and she, you know, he, he, he just basically, he, he, I, I remember thinking, I wish I could see, I wish I could see him have a mirror or anything. But what he told me was she came out, her head turned, cause she came out, um, you know, the, the posterior, like the way that the, the, I guess generally how most babies come out with their head back towards the, the butt. And, uh, she came out, she turned and she coughed up her, the amniotic fluid and then all the way came out. Um, cause I think I don't maybe only push, maybe not really push, but like there was maybe like two or three moments in my body rolling because the body rolling was literally what was doing. My body was just doing it itself. I didn't have to push at all. The yeah. uterus was doing everything and the baby just came out. Um, he picked her, you know, you know, guided her out and, um, made sure she like, she literally started crying within maybe 10 seconds. And you're in the shower um, squatting, and he, and and she plops into his hands. Yes, exactly. And do you turn the water off? <laughs> no, the water's still going. <laughs> the water's still going. <laughs> um, and so he just basically made sure she was okay, and then handed her to me, and then I helped me to sit down in the shower. So I'm still sitting in the shower, just holding her. And at the moment, we, at that moment, we actually didn't know what the, the sex was because we didn't, we decided we didn't want to find out. Um, 
even through all the prenatal care, like, you know, they, they could tell through blood tests or other uh-huh. means. Um, but so we didn't know what the sex was. Um, and it's probably maybe five minutes later, me just holding her and smiling and him taking pictures that we actually looked okay. <laughs> if it was a boy or a girl. So and we were very, uh, it was, I actually throughout the entire pregnancy, I thought it was a boy. Um, and a part of me, I think because, uh, Joe kept telling everybody that, you know, his, all of his, bo- all the men in his family always have boys, like no one has girls in his family. And I kind of secretly maybe wanted a boy to begin with because I'm, I'm more of a, I, I have some girlfriends, but only like small, close groups of girlfriends. I'm not like a girly girl. So like a part of me wanted a boy, but I'm, now that I have a girl, I'm, I'm super ecstatic and happy and I, I love having a girl. Um, but so I was as surprised. I was like, it's a girl. And I started laughing because I think in my head I thought it was going to be a boy, but I started laughing sure. because I thought it was a girl. And, um, but I think it was meant to be because we only had one girl name. And her name is Juniper. And we, we only, we had that one name, but we had like three or four different boy names and then we couldn't decide on one. So I think it was kind of meant to be the fact that we had it was like, Oh, that's the name Juniper. If it's a girl, mm-hmm. I think it was meant to be in the something. Um, so what and, kind of, what kind of like immediate postpartum care did you do? Did you guys just get dry and go lay in your bed or. Yeah. You... I, I was, I was in the shower for maybe, I feel like it was 10 minutes just holding her and like making sure she's okay. And um, where did you pass the placenta? Um, so the placenta was still inside me at this point. And um, we, she, he gave me a, a one of those um, Muslim uh, swaddles that so wrapped around her. And um, he helped me to stand up and we went into our, the second bedroom that has a lower bed um, that I just laid in and just cuddled her and just kind of, you know, patted her a little bit. Um, we didn't want to like wash her off completely because I wanted to keep that, you know, lovely vernix on her. And um, she just started nursing right away. She literally okay. like, I, yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of videos about the you know, babies just being able to crawl up to the nipple and I, you know, wanted her to do that. So it just allowed her to like lay on me and, and root around. And she finally was able to, you know, latch on for a little bit. And, um, so we just laid there and was just in awe and the excitement of everything that just happened. And she was breathing and she was, you know, pink and everything, you know, looked normal. I didn't have any reason to think that something's wrong or it seemed like it was perfect birth. And like, and it was, um, and so was, did you catch the time of her birth? Oh yeah, so she came out at seven ten. Um, so uh, technically, me knowing I was like something's happening at five. Like, I mean, technically, I guess thinking back, like two o'clock is when I started trickling some pee, which I thought was pee, but it's probably you know the amniotic fluid sac. Oh yeah, Joe told me that uh, when she came out, um, that's when the sac actually broke because literally when her head came out, it basically splashed him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <totally. laughs> so my sac actually never completely broke apparently like, mm-hmm. until she actually came out um so um sorry my husband was pointing at me the baby's up <laughs> um, <That's okay. laughs> um so let's see oh so we, i was laying in bed um and he decided to record me about like talking about the birth story and as i was talking about it the 
I had this strong sensation of uh, a clapping, and I was telling the story, and I went, oh, oops. I was like, my placenta just came out. <laughs> and it <laughs> literally just dropped like, out. That's awesome. So you didn't yeah. need to, like, get up in a squat or pull it or push or anything? No. No, my body just pushed it out, and there's probably maybe 35, 40 minutes later after mm-hmm. she gave birth. So, yeah, so my, my total labor, I guess, from two to seven approximately it would be like five hours i mean me knowing that i was in labor was at five so for me i was in labor for two hours but i didn't really you know i didn't know mm-hmm. um and uh so it was super quick super fast i had no idea it would be that easy um and i i the placenta came out we decided to we intentionally wanted to burn the cord um and retrospectively we just had like a wax candle but i think that i would have um next time maybe get like a soy candle or something because I felt like there was a lot of uh, black smoke that mm. maybe was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, then we just used some tin foil to cover, you know, protect the baby. Um, and we did it maybe about inches past uh, her her belly button um, to burn the cord. And it took, it took a while. It probably took maybe like 20 minutes to actually burn all the way through. Huh. Um, but we had waited it, to burn the cord. We probably waited maybe about three and a half hours after the placenta came out. So she was, I mean, she was just sitting on me, just chilling and sleeping and eating every once in a while um, until we decided to burn the cord. And, you know, Joe got me something to eat. Um, we drank some, you know, drank some fluids. Um, and we're just happy and just content. Um, and then at, we had also discussed previously that maybe we should take the baby to the hospital after the birth out of, you know, just in case, like, maybe there's something wrong. And, you know, so we talked about doing that. And I was like, okay, well, at this point, it's like 11 o'clock at night. Um, but let's just go, you know, just because I feel like it's my first baby. I don't know. Maybe there's they need to do some checking on it. But so when we went to the hospital, they were very much concerned that we brought the baby in. Um and I had the baby several hours ago, but didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they seemed very nice, but at first, like, the initial check-in nurse, I had brought the baby in with, in the in the baby carrier, and I had the placenta, and she seemed very nervous, like, when I was talking about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, we, she asked me, like, how we cut the cord, and I was like, oh, we burned it, you know, and she's like, oh, that's not okay, and I was like, no, it's fine, everything's fine, and she's like, no, it's not, and she was that is not what we do. <laughs> yeah. And so did you have to play it as you had such a quick birth you couldn't get there or were you honest about your No, we we weren't. We I was concerned about um you know the stigmatism of wanting to do it at home. So completely sure. um we said that, you know, I just the baby, the labor was really fast, which technically wasn't a lie, it was really fast. Um, but that, you know, I didn't say that we intentionally wanted to have it at home. It's just that it came so fast that we decided to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my husband said he couldn't find scissors, which is why we burnt it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, burnt the cord. Um, so I, I'd actually also, when I was in prenatal care, um, had tested positive for, uh, uh hey, you're, you're breaking which, up just a little bit. Oh, sure. So you, sorry, you tested positive for GBS? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Um, during the prenatal care. 
Um, and thinking about that, I, I, done a, I had done a lot of research as far as what the best is, learned about it, and um, I had decided that it wasn't going to be a huge concern for us giving free birth if um, the sack wasn't open for a certain amount of time. Because um, I think that's when the most exposure happens because the transfer from the vagina anus area to the baby is more exposed if the sac's open. So that was going to be, but that was like the breaking point as far as why we wanted to go to the hospital if the sac had been open for several hours. Uh-huh. Um, so, but once I got there and they knew about the GBS being positive, they wanted to immediately start administrating antibiotics to my baby, and I had refused. Um, and at that point, I guess the pediatrician was upset or concerned that I didn't want to give the baby antibiotics. Um, so, um, they ended up calling child protective services on us. Um, so we had to wait there until they got there and, uh, started interviewing us about like what had happened and why we didn't want to give, um, antibiotics to the baby. And I had explained to both the CPS um supervisor and the doctor about I'd read uh Sarah Buckley's um gentle birth gentle mothering book and she had a lot of great information about GBS how even like uh Europe they don't automatically test everybody. Right. They only do it if it's if you're a high risk, which means you've had um diabetes or you know they've you've had problems in the past. Um so I told them, explained, like, I don't feel like she's at high risk for possibly having GBS. Um, and I know there's a 48-hour window of signs being shown. So I would prefer to wait the 48 hours before administrating any type of antibiotics to see if she even has it. Like, what's the point of administering antibiotics for something you don't know if she has or not? And did you so, did you know to anticipate this because you knew you had tested positive and you knew the routine response in America was antibiotics? Were you were you like prepared for coming into the hospital that they would want to give her that? No, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I knew okay. that if I got, if I knew I knew that if I labored in the hospital, they would give me antibiotics during the labor process. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't want to have either. But I didn't know, I did not know that they would want to administer the baby directly antibiotics if they weren't able to do it during labor. Right. Okay. That I did not know. So they call CPS, you're there in the middle of the night, you talk with everybody, decline antibiotics, then what happens? Um, so I felt pressured to stay because they kept telling me, you're free to go if you really want, but, you know, your baby's at risk for potential problems um, if you leave. And I so they never admitted I, her or you? Um, not technically, no. They just okay. they kept telling me that, like, I think that there was a lot of a little bit of a fear factor because CPS was called. Of course. That, um, that there might, that they might take the baby away from me if I didn't decide to stay. And I don't, uh-huh. I don't, that's how I felt. I don't know if I remember exactly, because everything was a blur and it's been so while, a while that I just don't remember that if that was actually said or that's just how I felt. That, uh-huh. That's the impression they gave me that they would take the baby away if I didn't decide to stay. Um, so at that point, I was like, I, I don't want antibiotics and I will find whatever waiver you want me to sign. Um, 
but I, you know, we we can do a blood culture. So they end up like taking a blood culture from the baby just to determine whether she has GBS or not. And um, uh, so I ended up staying in the hospital for 40 hours just to see if the baby potentially might get, you know, any GBS symptoms. And of course she didn't because she, you know, I don't know. That's the thing with GBS is you don't know if you actually have it when you go into labor because they test you several weeks. They test you like 35, 36 weeks. It comes and goes. So there's no, there's no test to say, well, why can't you just test to see if I have it now versus seeing if the baby has it or not and automatically going to a rescue stance of administering Mm -hmm. antibiotics for something that she may not have. Um, cause I'm, I'm really, I'm really, you know, interested in the whole gut flora aspect of like that mm-hmm. your gut flora really influences like how your brain works and how your, your body reacts to protein. Oh, yeah. and, um, so I was really against administering, um, any kind of antibiotics to her because I spent so much time like having my own gut flora, um, prepped and well for her because I know that during, you know, pregnancy, she does get probiotics for me as well. Totally. I mean, you know, and as a doula, like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen women fight for their vaginal birth and then get the erythromycin on the baby's eyes and, you know, baby gets formula and they get the antibiotics for GBS. And it's like, okay, well, we just kind of wiped out a lot of the bad (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I had to decline, like, the eye stuff. I declined vitamin K. I declined the hepatitis shot. I declined everything. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're probably just taken aback to the fact that I didn't want to do anything that they would normally do. So I don't know. You were there for 48 hours? Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, I I could have been at home. I would have much rather been at home because all she did was sleep and eat and we were uncomfortable in a different bed and people came in every once in a while to check on us. You know, it was it was literally like not necessary in my mm-hmm. in my eyes. Like I could have done all this stuff at home. Um, like I understand the concern and I understand that they wanted to make sure the baby is okay and probably their baby is their first priority in a sense because it's a newborn. Um, but they and went that, there and I, for a newborn exam essentially. Yes, exactly. And in retrospect, I wish I would have gone because I I intuitively known. Wish she you wouldn't have gone. I wish I would not have gone because intuitively, like I, she was, she she latched on. She was eating. She was pink. She was breathing. Like everything, like you know, in the future, normal. Yeah, and then you know, for anyone listening to this, or for um, you know, you in the future, you know, you could also do a newborn exam yourself, or hire a midwife, you know, to come over and do a newborn exam at home in bed or yeah, know, like that. Yeah, and so, it's like. Okay. I, I well, I, I and also like what I've learned as far as like getting your birth certificate is that you also need to have a doctor's exam within 48 hours. Like I kind of wish I would just stayed at home and then taken her to a different doctor, like not through my Kaiser Permanente or whatever you know whatever insurance that I had. I'd rather just gone to a personal doctor to do a checkup exam, like several sure. you know hours later. Sure. Because yeah. So that that was the only reason why, partly why I wanted to do the exam as well, is because for the birth certificate, they require you to have some type of doctor exam saying, yes, the baby's viable, yes, it's living, and yes, it came from this mother. <laughs> so positive. 
<laughs> which also a midwife can do, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I was just lastly wondering how, in the wake of your free birth, has it made you feel, in terms of feeling connected or disconnected to other moms? How's what's the response been like from your from your community, and um, how has it been to share your story? It's it's been interesting. A lot of people were taken aback by the fact that I decided to home birth, um, or well, free birth more so, um, alone home birth, um, especially for a first time mom. Um, a lot of them are in awe, like they're more curious and they are happy to hear that everything went well. But a lot of them are saying, "Wow, I, I don't know if I could do that. I'd be too worried that something might happen." And I think that's the number one um, reason why a lot of people don't do it is because of the stigmatism of what if. What if something bad happens? Um, and, and luckily after hearing my story, they're like, wow, I, 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 maybe I'll do that for my next time or I wish I could do that, at, you know, for next time that I have the baby. So, you know, I feel, you know, I feel really happy that I made the decision that I did. Obviously, if something had gone wrong, like it'd be a whole different story, a different perspective, um, on, you know, what had taken place, but I had, such a fast birth and easy birth in my, mm-hmm. my aspect, especially being an older woman. And I'm not super, you know, in shape. Like I'm, I'm a 200 pound woman. Like I, I, but I, I took the, the time to eat properly. I walked four days a week for an hour. Um, and I monitored as far as how everything was happening and how I felt. And mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like I was in control of happening in my body everything was the most important reason why I decided to do the free birth is I wanted to feel everything and I wanted to be present and I didn't want anybody else telling me what's happening with my own body because I knew that I would feel it and that's mostly why what I tell people is a simple short answer why I did it that way um and I, I don't feel like I'm you know shunned or taken you know you know that they don't want to hear it I think most people are interested but they don't they don't realize that it could possibly happen that way and I think more people are like wow that's great that it everything went well and that you have such a great right birth. like you took some um, massive risk yeah <laughs> totally. well um, you know your your birth really is a a beautiful example of true intuition and you know really claiming your choices and, and you're you know knowing yourself and knowing what was going to put you in the right head and heart space and and of course that's why you had a wonderful birth yeah I think because I didn't I didn't worry too much I focused more on the positive aspects of how birth can happen beautifully and it does happen for majority of women I think that you know there's a high percentage of women that just have normal births and it's just let be and let alone and do what your body just needs to do then it'll just come out and it'll be happy and happen and it'll just happen you don't mm-hmm. need anybody else there as long as you're willing willing to just be present and be there and to have like someone with you that you can trust and is on the same page then you you can do it any woman can do this with a normal pregnancy but that's just normal pregnancy that's that's just normally happens and obviously if there are anything that's out of the norm then yes you might need a little bit of intervention a little you know help along the way for the most majority women that you can do it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. It was beautiful to hear hear it all and I'm just so so proud of you.
Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to share the story. And, it, and it's nice to share it nine months later because everyone is to hear the story, you know, once you have the baby. But I find that people don't really ask about it as much. And I think it's just because they want to know more about the baby than your birth experience. But sure. it's important to still share your story and, and still tell people about it because the more that we talk about birth and, and the more that we share our experiences, the better that people are more aware of it. It doesn't seem odd or it doesn't seem taboo to talk about. Because I think people mm-hmm. are afraid to ask other people about your story sometimes. You don't know. You don't know if they had a bad experience or a good experience. But either way, it should be shared. Well, thank you for being a voice. I really appreciate your time, and it was wonderful to have you on today. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.